Welcome to the podcast of New City Church. We hope this podcast inspires you on your journey of inward and outward transformation. Please join us on Sundays. You can find more information on our website, grownewcity.church. God bless you. So I spent this past week, listen, let me tell you the journey that I've been on. I, um, so I like, I'm always, like, I don't know if you ever saw the movie Get Out. I could barely make it through Get Out. I was, like, so tense. Brian, my partner, says that I go into rock mode where it's, like, every part of my body is, like, a little tight rock because I'm so scared. And um, uh, so, like, I don't like seeing violence or gore on screen. Um, And apparently Squid Game is the most popular show, like, in the world like it's like the most streamed thing that has happened in the world and of course as a pastor i'm always committed to trying to stay relevant and speak to kind of like the zeitgeist in the moment so i'm like great i'm gonna watch this very casual show and it won't make me go into like i won't be having a trauma response for sure right Okay, so if you haven't watched Squid Game, spoiler alert, like the entire thing is a trauma response. <laughs> the whole thing is just traumatizing. It's just ultraviolet. I won't show any of the ultraviolence if you're concerned about that. And I also won't show any uh, spoilers if you're still um, thinking of watching it. But um, uh, so the, the premise is that there's kind of this, and you would learn this like within the uh, first episode, that there's kind of this like alternative thing about or uh, part of the commentary of uh, squid game is that participation in the games is voluntary so it's not like they rounded up a bunch of people and then, like forced them to play it was like these are folks who are in an economic situation that like they would rather play this game on the chance of a huge cash prize on the other side of it than face the the world that they're living with otherwise and so while I'd buy this show, so much, by the way, that like, okay, so pretend that like this back wall is a TV. I had to like watch it through the reflection of one of my poster frames. Like, like I was watching it at a, from a distant reflection because I couldn't like look at it because of how scared I was. So this is me looking at this like, oh, this is horrifying. But what is fascinating about it and what makes it so different from other just like gory movies is that it, um, it has a deep and abiding class critique. It, it, deeply portrays an economic situation where people um, desperate spot in their lives that like playing a lethal game on the chance of like one out of 500 that you would actually get enough money to escape debt that that people are like reasonably signing up for it and the way that they do character development is really important and one of the things that it it begs to question is uh, what, what is the nature of immorality? Because of course in this show, they're showing people like murdering each other uh, uh, and they're showing people murdering each other in a situation hyper controlled by like the ultra like 1% of 1%. So it begs the question, is it more immoral for people to murder the gosh darn heck out of each other, okay? Or is it more immoral for um, there to be economic systems that humiliate people so much that they have no other options but to play in this? And 
the evaluation of that morality uh, asks questions of accountability. Like, if someone murders another person out of des- out of class desperation, is that uh, the type of should we uh, hold that person accountable for that crime, or should we hold the system accountable for putting that person in that situation in the first place? And that just brings up whole questions of like agency and free will and all that stuff. So it, it's actually very uh, theologically rich, and I love that. And I especially love talking about Squid Games, an ultra violent <laughs> show, during Christmas time. <laughs> Because, uh, as I hope we will one day tell our grandchildren, class critique is a Christmas tradition. (laughs) Like looking at the economic situation of our world and then putting that in in conversation with the message of Christ, putting that in conversation with the hope of of God's world, of of the incarnation of of love in the world, uh, is, is something that we have scripturally uh, kick it over to Mary, who uh, wrote this uh, snazzy little piece called the Magnificat. Um, that's in, in, in the book of Luke. And get this, and read this from like a Squid Games perspective. Um, God has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered those with arrogant thoughts and proud inclinations. He has pulled the powerful down from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty-handed. So what's interesting to me is that Squid Games in a dystopic worst-case scenario is showing like the horror of the economic systems that we have created. And on the flip side of that is the Magnificat that is saying, but what is God doing in light of economic situations that humiliate people? What is God doing in light of people who are, of, of, of societies that allow for people to be so desperately poor that, um, that they have all agency taken away from them? And so if we think of it from a kind of like a Squid Game perspective, and this is a shout out to the one person who has seen Squid Games, but uh, they love shapes in Squid Games. And so it's like looking at um, like not if, if the 1% of the 1% have created a, a global system that serve their economic interests, then God, who is a God for all people, is creating a system that serves all of creation. And that's the good news, is that in, despite the um, horrors, the economic horrors of our world and, and the desperation that we're seeing, I mean, if, if we just take a drive down Lake Street, we see time capsules of, of what happened a year ago during the uprisings. We see time capsules of what happened 50 years ago uh, through zoning laws, through housing covenants that forbade uh, white folks selling their houses to, uh, uh, to people of color until it became an undesirable neighborhood, until a highway cut through. Like, if we look on, on Lake Street, we're seeing the traces and evidences of these systems brought into play of decisions made by folks that disproportionately infect, uh, affect the marginalized. And Mary is like, I don't believe that that's the end of the story. I have uh, recent proof, this is <laughs> after Mary had a conversation with an angel, that God intends for something different for society. God intends for something different on Lake Street 
The desperation that the folks in this very neighborhood are facing right now will not have the last say. God is a God who shows us another way. If Squid Games is, uh, is all about domination, control, and torture for the sake of uh, delight and pleasure of the powerful, the kingdom of God is about uh, the the valleys being raised, the marginalized being lifted, the whole earth rejoicing, and heaven coming down to earth. By the way, these put them together, and you get the new city logo. <laughs> that's, why we're, that's why we're doing what we're doing. Uh, because we believe that God is bringing heaven to earth. That we believe that uh, uh, through the work of the Holy Spirit in our very lives, through the calling that God has put on your particular life, that there is a world emerging where, where even the most marginalized folks can sing songs about how God is faithful. There is a new world emerging where God uh, can send the rich away and gather in the lowly. That is the imagination of God, and we have proof of this, not just in philosophical theory, not just in words and concepts, but in incarnation, in body. Uh, Mary is like, hey, you want proof that God is going to change the world? Ta-da! I'm nine months pregnant, and what's coming next is going to transform everything. We are still talking about an event that happened 2,000 years ago because of how much it changed the world because of how many seeds were sown of the revolution that is coming. And so we are inheritors of this. We're inheritors of the legacy. And usually during Christmas time, we do things like uh, looking at, uh, you know, churches will often like look at images of Black Friday and the stampedes and critique about like, wow, we're so consumerist or we're so obsessed with giving. We've forgotten the reason of the season. We've, we're so like wrapped up in our Christmas plans that we're, we're not really remembering what this is about. And all of that is absolutely true. Um, but y'all have probably heard that message already, and New City Church is trying to add on to the discourse. And so when we put it in conversation with 2 Corinthians, this reading that we had about giving, we see a really important economic critique for the Christmas season, a really important spiritual practice that if we don't get right, we will always be on the puppet strings of the empire. And that critique, that message, that truth, is that giving is different from extraction. Giving is different from extraction. And until we understand that difference, we will always be playing the game of the people designing <laughs> the death game of our lives. We will always be um, playing to the objectification of God's people. This is especially important because there's a lot of marginalized folks at New City Church. There are trans folks, there are women of color, especially I'm thinking of, who like have been socialized to believe that it is their job to only be, uh, to only output, <laughs> to, uh, to handle all the problems, all society's woes fall on folks. Evidence of this, like our, our failing healthcare system is basically picked up by women, particularly women of color, to do caretaking that our system has failed to create. 
um, uh, our failed wa labor wage system is brought is bore by uh, usually the women, usually women of color in society, to take on more jobs while taking care of children because there's no like universal childcare. So like all of the, the failings of our system tend to filter down to folks who are the most marginalized in society. The, the burden is like water, it, it rolls downwards. And so it's our job to figure out like how we as Christians can move in light of this reality. And a lot of times, um, in a lot of the discourses for pastoral care, it's like folks are so extracted from that I'm like, you know what? Just take a nap, you know? <laughs> like, please, just like take some time to yourself. We have an incarnation fund at New City Church specifically to pay for people of color's mental health treatment because we're like, please, please, like society has extracted so much from you that reclaiming your personhood means reclaiming uh, the... the um, the life that you are entitled to and that has been extracted from you. Like the first pastoral step I always have is like, you know what, just like here's a hot dish and, and funding and like space and, uh, and, and we're gonna figure this out. And you know, that, that, is, that is like a, a, a first aid kind of pastoral response. That is like, I'm, I'm saying this because I'm seeing open wounds or I'm seeing bleeding happening. But if the goal is to become a whole human being, if the goal is to flourish and to, uh, to be abundant and interconnected with all of community, if the goal is a beloved society, if the goal is for Lake Street to be transformed, for there to be a new city, then then we have to reclaim a tradition of giving and understanding the difference between extraction and giving. So um, ju let's just set up some contrast here because I know that sometimes uh, we can be so brutalized or so beat down by the system that we can't tell the difference between something that will help us and something that will harm us. And our body's just like, please, please, I'm just gonna curl into a rock over there. So let's just uh, go briefly into this contrast. So giving is about agency, not entitlement. Giving is about agency and not entitlement. And what I mean by that is giving is when, it, giving has to occur by definition under the conditions of choice. Giving is about I am choosing out of a place of joy and love to give something. Like the gifts that we give on Christmas are an opportunity for us to practice generosity, to practice giving, to practice what it feels like to offer something with no expected return. Like that's kind of like what we're, what our muscle memory is trying to train for. And in contrast to that, extraction is like, um, is, is a, is a non-choice. Extraction is, is not consensual. Extraction is like, you got to do this because you got to do this. And, and as I kind of referenced before, a lot of time that entitlement is from folks with power to folks without power to just figure it out. 
Um, and ex another example is like in the um, Twin Cities, there are homelessness encampments. And by the way, like it's a little cold for those of you who aren't in Minnesota and there are homelessness encampments. And uh, you know, the city clears these homelessness encampments. And sometimes the people who are residents of those encampments are offered like other options like shelters or housing. But sometimes it's, they're kind of given a message of like, uh, we don't know where you're going, but you can't stay here. And, and it's like, okay, so that is extraction. Like that is expecting for, uh, for the person with like the least power in this situation to figure out the solutions that the people with the most power couldn't figure out. And that's what I'm talking, that's like a big example, but I think we see micro examples in that all the time in your relationships, in, the, in your family dynamics. Whoo, we can just talk about family dynamics of, of who is expected to just figure out um, the scheduling for how Christmas things happen, to figure out the travel plans, to figure out the gifting, to figure out the cleaning. Who is it just like expected that they're gonna do this? And what and is that expectation met with this equal level of appreciation? In a lot of families, the answer to that is absolutely not. And that's and that's that is when it enters extraction. It is no longer giving if a person doesn't have a choice whether or not to give it. And so, like, as we're approaching the, uh, the Christmas season, I think that one opportunity is to reclaim our agency to say, like, I am choosing for this to happen. And um, for those, for the, <laughs> it's like the three, in Squid Games, it's like the three steps. Okay, the people who know, who know. When they're, like, playing the game and then they take three steps forward. Okay, I'm not going to spoil it. But, like, the point is that, like, if you give, even when you don't have a lot. You, re, you learn how to reclaim that you have agency in the world and that, you that you, your actions are consequential and matter. And that is an essential part of healing from the humiliation of marginalization and poverty. That is, it's so essential. The, like, so many of the folks I know uh, who are living on, in this neighborhood and living on Lake Street are so much more... Um, willing and able to give generously because they know that that is one of the ways that they can continue to feel like they're the captain of their own ship, that they're able to still give in their lives. And, and they tend to be happier <laughs> because of it. Also, because, of in, collective, because of in collective societies, we know that if, if you give in this area, eventually it'll all come, uh, come back to you. So that's, that's one thing that I wanted to say about giving. The other thing, before we go too far, and before Enneagram 2s, if you don't know the Enneagram, don't worry about it. Um, Enneagram 2s have a, um, a certain way to misinterpret this that I just want to be real clear about. Um, so um, Enneagram 2s um, are like the helper. There are people who are very generous, and there are people who seek love. And um, sometimes... And people who are very generous are like, well, I don't need this sermon because I'm so good at giving. I'm so good at pouring out that like, I'm kind of like, I have like a, I majored and minored in giving. Like I'm not, like, I, 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 this isn't about being extracted from, this is just about giving. Um, but the other footnote to that is that giving is about abundance, not manipulation. And what that means <laughs> is that sometimes people give 
because in the back of their head, there's an unwritten contract that the person they're giving to will like reciprocate or will pay back the debt or that they somehow owe them or that they'll be looked out for. And that um, is usually from a place of, uh, you know, if we're looking at the Enneagram, usually from a place of just wanting connection and love. So I'm not here to shame that, but I'm just saying that if, the giving comes with expectations and strings, then it is not giving. It's, a, it's something else, but it's not giving. And like what we're trying to cultivate is that this sense of like the way that we live our lives can be an act of abundance and choice. And, and there's no like expectation that people will give back to this. This is actually why I've been so burned <laughs> uh, by this in the past that part of my reclaiming of giving is that whenever people give me things, a lot of times I feel indebted. Do you ever have that feeling? Like when I, um, when, whenever people g do favors for me, like I used to work in a restaurant and I put in a, a meal order after the kitchen had closed and I remember the, the head chef coming out and she was like, the kitchen is closed. And I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. Okay, I'll figure it out. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. And she's like, don't worry. I'll do you a favor. And then she like walks back and I was like, this is my nightmare. <laughs> like this is like, what I hate is this feeling of indebtedness. Uh, and, and so I like, you know, like ended up like writing a thank you card or whatever. But that's not giving. That's just like a form of, social connectiveness based off of transaction. And uh, th sometimes that's necessary, but it's not what we're trying to uh, understand. And the reason why this is important for Christians, particularly around Christmas, is if we get this wrong, if we misunderstand what giving is about, then we will completely misunderstand what Jesus is about. Because so much of the beliefs, so much of the theology about Jesus is uh, falls into to problematic categories. Um, how much theology has been like, well, Jesus gave his blood for you, and so now you owe him. And if you aren't doing what exactly what Jesus says, which often looks exactly what like a white straight pastor says, then you are like, uh, then you are falling short on the entitlement that God has over your life. And it's like, man, I don't think that's how love happens. <laughs> like, I, like, whether or not that's true, like, I believe that God is a God of relationship and love. I believe that God loves you so much that God wants to have, like, the pinnacle of, like, the best relationship that you have ever had in your life multiplied by a million all the time for like the from the beginning to the end like that's what god wants in your life and if we see jesus's life death and resurrection as some sort of like entitlement game then we're never going to get to the place where we're actually cultivating a meaningful relationship to god because we're always thinking about transaction and jesus through the cross is saying, I'm showing you that transactions are not the most important thing in the world. I'm showing you that it is time to leave behind transactions and move towards transformation. 
if you are constantly thinking about inputs and outputs without thinking about who you are becoming as a person, how you are emerging into the new world, how God's dreams are coming alive in you in a joyful and abundant way, then you will never transform in the way that the the new revolution requires. We need transformation, not just transactions. And that means that God isn't holding this giant club over your head saying, you are, I am entitled to everything. God is saying, I want you to consensually and voluntarily enter relationship with me. And if you do, then just like any loving relationship, everything will change. Jesus says, I am knocking at the door. And that knock is persistent, uh, knocking at the door of your heart. But you still have a choice of whether you open the door or not. Jesus isn't like Rambo style, like kicking down the doors. <laughs> I'm Jesus. Jesus is like, I'm going to knock on this door and allow for there to, for, I'm going to go this far and then there's going to be a certain like opening up that you allow for us to be in relationship together. I believe that the cross and the resurrection already prove that all of the transactions, all of the debt, all of the the sin of the world is already handled, and what is left is for us to enter a transformative relationship with God. And if we if we don't understand how to give our give of ourselves, we'll never understand how God is giving, not extracting, not manipulating us. And so this Christmas is an opportunity for you to give out of a place of abundance, out of joy, out of agency, for you to do a self-check and be like, hey, if I can't give out of a place of abundance, joy, and agency, maybe this year I'm just not going to give. You know, like you're choosing into this. You're opting into Christmas. You're opting into giving. And every time you do that, I want you to notice how it feels. Because when you give out of a place of real abundance, real joy, real love, that is a sliver, that is a microcosm of the abundance, joy, and love that God feels for you every day. As, cre- as we look out into all of the gifts of creation, the gifts of community, the gifts of scripture, the gifts of these practices, this is God giving to us out of abundance every day. And once we realize that, nothing will be the same. Amen? Amen.